0: Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today with all the peas, Pete DeMayo.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, or if you're new, welcome for the first time to the podcast.
0: We've had a lot of newbies, we're getting a lot of new downloads, which is good, but bad news guys. Uh oh. We got our first non five star review. What I know. We we have twenty two
1: uh
0: five star reviews and now we've got one two star review.
1: Oh no. Do I have to read that on the podcast? Well, or? I
0: I looked to see, but it was one you know, in I uh, in the podcast um app in on Apple now, you don't have to actually write anything to leave a review. You can just click on the stars. So I think it's one of our competitors just went and clicked to just I can inf- or or I it can must in- have been a mistake. I can right?
1: infer what the two stars was for.
0: What, what do you think?
1: I think it was for us caring too much. Probably. Or being just too good at hotel marketing.
0: That's probably probably true. And speaking of too good for hotel marketing, Melissa Kavanaugh's here. How do you? <laughs> Every time now. Every time. And also with us is, rounding out the crew, is Bill Foriska. Hey, everybody. So, guys, it's been a crazy couple of weeks.
2: It's been nuts,
0: It yeah, has. So for those of you just tuning in for the first time or you haven't listened to a lot of episodes, we're based in Melville Beach, South Carolina. So we had um, a little bit of a scare this past week with Hurricane Florence coming through. Fortunately, and we'll talk about some of our experiences in the show, but fortunately we came through it pretty much unscathed. Melville Beach really dodged a huge bullet and um, thoughts and prayers go out to our inland friends that are dealing now with the aftermath and all the flooding that's going to happen and uh, you know the folks in North Carolina that obviously took the brunt of Hurricane Florence as well. Um, so in honor of that Pete we're going to do an episode today about disasters.
1: We are we're going to talk a lot about what hotels can do before a disaster to make sure they have a really solid hotel disaster plan from a marketing perspective. So do you want to tease your peas? Yes, so this is called The Six P's of Hotel Disaster Marketing. Uh, and if you don't know what the six P's are, it's proper planning prevents piss-poor performance. <laughs> say that ten times fast. Did you make that up? Or no, that's there? a real that's, thing.
0: That's a real thing. Yeah. I'd, I'd never heard it before you put these show notes together. Yeah. So, so I don't great. think
1: that gets us an explicit icon on the podcast. Pissing?
0: Is I piss? Don't think so. No, I don't think piss is okay. We can okay. say piss lots of times. Okay. I think piss is fine. You think piss is Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you think piss is okay, Stuart,
0: that's all that matters. <laughs> all right, good. But, but yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Hey, talking of piss-poor planning, or piss-poor segments, it's <laughs> time for
1: the, the news Hey, that means with hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news I enjoyed the vibrato <laughs> on that one, Pete. <laughs> Listen to you, you critique
0: and like you're on American Idol. He's a little pitchy dog.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's going old school.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gee. Come on. Uh, So what do we have on the newsrooms? Uh, We did get an email last week from the CEO of TripAdvisor. Well, not us specifically, but everybody who is a TripAdvisor customer got this email, and they're basically really excited about putting some guy in jail. So in one of the first cases that they've had like this... um, there's a fake review company out of Italy, and the owner of that business was sentenced to nine months in prison and approximately 8,000 euros in costs and damages, which is about $9,400 US. But yeah, nine months in prison for running a fake review company. And, and the rest of the email goes on to, you know, thanks for helping us sort out fake review companies and identify them and find them. But yeah, I thought that was a pretty harsh way to start that email.
0: Yeah, the fine wasn't that big, but, you know. it's. Imagine
2: going to jail for fake
1: reviews. I'm don't. going to make something up, though, because I'm not telling other people in jail that's what I went to jail for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of the bottom of the totem pole if that's what you went in for, for sure.
1: If you beat me up, I'm going to leave a bad review for you on this prison's Yelp page. I don't see (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, reviews in general are taking a hit right now. There's a lot of press about Amazon's um, reviews and how much you know fake stuff is going on to the point where people got so sophisticated about gaming Amazon that they'll actually make fake orders and send their product that they're selling to random people in the US to make it look like someone bought the to pr- have a product, verified right? Review. Yeah, so then it's a verified review. So these um, people, certain addresses, start getting rando stuff from amazon that they didn't order which is really weird so um very sophisticated and on the hotel side you know uh, we've come across it a lot over the years of people just trying to gain the system either leaving fake negative reviews for competitors or trying to get staff members and folks like that to bolster their own reviews and just just stay away from that just it's just unethical number one and in the long term you're always going to get caught out and in this case end up in jail which it's pretty bad. I wish, honestly, I wish there was jail sentences for all bad marketing. It would just, it would Ooh. just stop it, you know. We wouldn't have spam issues. We, we you know, it would be great. So if you bet, if you're a bad marketer, then we're going to send you to jail, fuel jail. That is.
1: Sounds horrible. Oh it would probably be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Does
2: that just mean you don't get beer?
0: F- yeah, in the office, fuel jail means no beer, no snacks. And no snacks. Oh. And you're not allowed to use your stand-up desk.
2: That's Ooh. a health hazard. <laughs> it is.
0: True.
1: All right. What's next? All right. So the next one comes to us from CMO.com. And it's a really interesting article. I think we've touched on this a few times. But the article is, Study Finds Consumers Are Embracing Voice Searches. And Here's How. This came out on September 10th. And it really points to the fact that more and more customers are using tools like Alexa, Google Home, Siri, you name it, to craft or to basically guide what they're looking for from a search perspective. It's still a small portion of the population that's really using it for true search activities. Most people are using them for music, for yeah, little questions, setting timers, things like that. Things like that. So, but what's interesting is, from a hotel perspective, sixteen percent are using voice searches to begin flight and hotel research. So it is coming. It is, is you know, happening faster and faster. I think every day. One of the things that the article points to is the growth of voice search is not necessarily linear because it jumps every fourth quarter when everybody buys an Amazon Alexa for their friends for Christmas. So you see basically a stepped growth of that technology. So we're coming into the next time that we'd expect that growth to, to really step up. And considering the fact that uh, 12 months ago, about 14% of, them, of people were using voice search, and now it's 28%, it's going to get more and more and more important to be there in front of those customers.
3: Yeah, and, and Q4 also <laughs> coincides with vacation planning season, so stay up on your voice search SEO game. Yep. And we do see it in uh, Google Search Console a lot more now. We see those question-based queries. It's not just you know your typical keywords. People are asking full-on questions. You know, you can see it in our search terms report. It'll start with, OK, Google, what are the rates for such and such hotel? We, we see that show up. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. That's
1: really cool. Hey, this, and this is kind of actually ta- – it's actually a perfect segue, so Nora just said everything I just did. But when we were evacuating for the hurricane, we p- took both of our cars. My wife was in a car and I was in a car, and the kids were with my wife, so we had walkie-talkies. And every time anybody spoke, they always s- sounded out the punctuation. So we would say, over, period. Or did you see that exclamation point? <laughs> because we're so used to <laughs> dictating to our phones. That's that we're doing hilarious. Wow. So. But but yeah, so that is kind of leading us right into the, the topic today, which is the six Ps of disaster planning. Let's do it. So, okay. So kind of set the stage for this. Like Stuart just said, we just finished the immediate impact or aftermath of Hurricane Florence that went in that crossed land just above Myrtle Beach in Wilmington, North Carolina. And everyone expected it to be a category four storm that was going to be completely devastating. The winds died down. It was kind of a non-event in terms of the hurricane itself, well, in terms of wind. For us, it Here.
0: was. <laughs> not for everyone.
1: Well, not not for, for everyone, but it wasn't the category four. It came in as a category one.
0: Right. Which is still pretty
1: which which is devastating. So, if, if I think that it was. It's the flooding and the amount of rain that's coming in that's really turning this into a, a real disaster. And in talking to some of our clients, you know, one client in particular who kind of spurred us to develop this content. Uh, so this episode is being dedicated to both Virginia and Reed. Ooh. So they've helped us Shout along out. with this. Yeah, so hey guys. But anyway, so what we wanted to do was say, what can we do to help hotels plan for the next disaster to come? How can they... Craft their marketing campaigns and have a plan in place that if disaster strikes, that they're able to react quickly and help the community around them and help the guests that will be staying at their properties.
0: Yeah, and what I like about the way you did it is you looked at the two types of property in this as you went through these notes, right? Which was the folks that are directly affected by whatever's going on, and then the folks nearby that aren't necessarily directly affected but are, a part of the ecosystem because that's where people may be are escaping to that's where they're going to go stay when they have to evacuate the house stuff you mean like, like uh people
3: booking for their families is that what you're talking well, about well
0: so like in, in the case of here like a, a lot of guys from the office ended up going to atlanta right so and pete was one of those mm-hmm. and, and so properties in atlanta can help the situation by reaching out and promoting to the people that are affected offering different incentives um and, and pete you had a pretty good experience with your trip to atlanta right
1: Yeah, and kind of what it is, is hotels have a really unique opportunity in times of disaster. Now, we're talking about it right now in terms of Hurricane Florence, but this is just as applicable if it's a wildfire, if it's an earthquake, if it's flooding, hurricane. Alien invasion. Alien invasion, whatever it might be. People are in trouble in one area and fleeing to a safer area. So you either have a hotel who's in the disaster area where you have one plan that you need to enact, or your hotel that's just outside the disaster area, and you have another plan that you also need to enact. I mean, from my perspective, I left and went to Atlanta, and the evacuation was not a a problem. I stayed at a Sonesta Suites, completely outside the disaster zone. How did you end up choosing them? Well, you know, I, I choose them for a couple of different reasons. One was I didn't know when the storm was hitting, and... When you think of going on a vacation or a business trip, you know when you're going and you know you're when you're leaving. But in the case of the storm, I knew the storm would hit eventually. I didn't know when, though. So I actually wanted to find a place that I could cancel within 24 hours. In most places, it was actually hard to find one that had a good 24-hour mm. cancellation policy. And if you don't know if the storm was hitting or not, that, that makes it very difficult. So right. I found that, but also it had two bedrooms. It was a kind of an extended stay type Arrangement, so I figured that'd be perfect for you having a wife with two kids being in one teeny little hotel room. We would all go nuts, Mm -hmm. so I want a little bit of extra space, and I'm glad I did because one we were there for about four days, but also we had to move our check-in date twice. We planned on arriving on Monday, I moved that to to Tuesday, and they had to move it again to Wednesday because the storm slowed down. And then I also didn't know when I was checking out and they were, the hotel was phenomenal. They said, we understand that's a a weather issue. You don't necessarily want to leave or go whenever you have to. So they said, you just let us know when you feel safe for you to go home and we'll take care of the rest. Yeah. So I was able to basically bypass a lot of their policies just because they wanted to do a good job and help someone who's, displaced with their entire family
0: right this is what i love right because they showed empathy they applied common sense they weren't dogmatic about process and procedures and they said okay let's treat people like people they were hospitable they they acted like the true innkeeper that we always talk about on this show Mm -hmm. they weren't and it's a corporate entity right they could easily have hidden behind corporate policy yeah and they chose that credit to the leadership within that organization. They chose to put the human touch on it, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's great. That's no, it,
1: it, it really, I had never stayed at a Sinesta, and it was it was a great property. The general manager who I had been speaking to, his name was Neil, originally from Surfside Beach. Oh, wow. So yeah. he, he knew the area, and he had people in the disaster zone, and that may have helped because he understood the area, but it was very, you let us know what you need, you know, if you have to check in late, that's completely fine. Someone will be here. Your room will be here. And when you need to leave. So how did you, you end, end up
0: talking up? to the GM? Was he just there at check-in or you cool? Uh, or he happened to be at the front desk when oh, okay. I
1: talked to them about. Because our plan was originally we had check-out on Friday. I moved mm-hmm. it to Saturday. Then I moved it to Monday. Mm-hmm. And then I told them that I'd actually be checking out on Sunday. Yeah. So my reservations changed a lot. And the entire time they were just as helpful as could be. They understood. Yeah.
0: Well see see that you just told me something really important there. The GM was at the front desk. Yep. Right. And we say this a lot on the show too. The best run properties are the ones where the GM is out in front of the guest, right? Mm-hmm. They're walking the property, they're engaging with the guests, they're leading by example in front of their staff. They're not holed up in their office all day long looking at spreadsheets. They're actually out there being the innkeeper. And that that's great. Yep. So hats off to him. It's really good. So did anybody
1: else have to evacuate or I ended up staying
0: here, which, um, you know, I can't mention the name of the hotel, but we have a, a relationship. My my wife is cousin of a, a GM at a property here, so we ended up hunkering down at, at the property. And, it, you know, we, once we knew the storm wasn't really going to hit mm-hmm. us hard, it was barely a tropical storm once it got here. So we we stayed in town and had a good experience, but, um, you know, I don't really have anything to say about the property because mm-hmm. I can't, so.
3: Yeah, I had to evacuate, but didn't end up going to a hotel because I had two huskies with me, and it's not exactly easy to find pet-friendly place <laughs> yeah. to stay when you don't know when you, you can don't get have out. dogs.
0: Why did you have two huskies?
3: Oh, my friend decided to go on a cruise, and I was watching her dogs. So <laughs> lucky a for me, timing, storm yeah. comes, and I have two hairy, hairy dogs that I have to drive halfway across <laughs> oh. the country. So yeah, needless to say, my truck needs a detailing. Nice. That sounds fun. What about you, Melissa?
2: I did evacuate as well, but I went to my parents, which was also a hairy situation. <laughs> <laughs> a In a little reason. different way.
0: Yeah. You know I'm what's, glad to be home. You know what was good is, you know, a lot of folks here did end up going, staying with family. If you, like Pete, stayed at, at hotels, but there, there were options, right? If you didn't have the budget to stay at a hotel, um, there, there were shelters and stuff like that. And then, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Airbnb did a phenomenal job, and they have in a lot of recently in a lot of disasters. But they'll reach out to the hosts, and it's up to the individual hosts. But a lot of hosts were offering their inventory for free for anyone that was about awesome. the system the the disaster area. So that I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think um, Airbnb has an advantage over the hotel industry because it's individual people that maybe aren't driven mm-hmm. by profit. But I think it's a lesson that we as an industry could. Could take you know there are rules about price gouging you know laws against price gouging, but I think if you know in in the case of a hotel if you can not do it in in a way that's self-serving but do it in a way that's genuinely caring, because I mean Pete you stayed in a hotel for four or five nights that wasn't in your budget for this month you you, you just happened to have to do it, you know if if you know that you're a hotel that has inventory available and you can offer incentives to help those people. That are in crisis, then I think it's you, you should you mm-hmm. should be willing to do that. Yeah. And right we've actually reasons. seen
1: some hotels in Myrtle Beach, and there's one group here who's doing an amazing job. Basically, stay in any of their rooms for I think it's like thirty nine dollars. Yeah, yeah. If you're
0: having, if you're still yeah. out of the house, because again, there's a lot of people still impacted, right. not post storm because of the flooding and things like mm-hmm. that. So, my family was out earlier this morning um, shoveling sand into sandbags, preparing those for all the houses that right. are going to get hit this weekend as the as the rivers crest. So. Um, even though the storm is, is past, then you know, there's still people that are suffering the after effects. So, mm-hmm. If you weren't affected, then I think it's a good opportunity for you to help out, whether donating to the Red Cross or if you're in that area, then certainly pitching in in the community as much as you
1: can. Absolutely. So, but what we're really going to talk about today is, as a hotel, what you can be doing. And one thing I would instill at the very beginning is make sure that you have a plan. You need to have plan A, which is I'm in a disaster zone, and plan B, I'm just outside the disaster zone. And we're going to walk through, to go along with the the six Ps, we have six areas that you really need to have locked down and a plan in place so that when disaster strikes, you're ready to help your community.
0: Right, and we're talking about this from a marketing perspective. Marketing we're a marketing willingly. podcast. We're not an operations <laughs> podcast. So obviously there's a lot of infrastructure stuff you need to do related to employee logistics, the securing software, hardware, and stuff like that. We're not going to get into that, Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to focus 100% on the marketing aspect.
1: And the six areas we're going to focus on is on-site content, your email communications, your social communications, your PPC and your meta-search management, PR outreach, and then lastly, guest and community assistance. I think if you have a plan that covers those six items, when disaster strikes, you'll be able to Think calmly and rationally, and be able to help the community and your guests the best that you possibly can.
0: What happens if you don't have a plan?
1: Well, if you don't have a plan, you're just going to run around with your chicken like a head. Ugh. You're going to run around like a no, chicken with head I was, I head was looking cut for
0: a oh, PPPP. Ah, okay. What happens if you don't? We'll try it again. What happens if you don't have a plan?
1: Well, then the six Ps come to get you, which means proper. Which means you'll have piss poor performance. There you go. So you need to have proper planning to prevent piss-poor performance, the yeah, six
0: Ps. You nailed it that time. Good I, job.
1: I, I did whatever I could do. Three times a it. charm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> We should have <laughs> planned that to avoid the piss-poor performance. We should have. That <laughs> everyone just observed.
1: <laughs> oh, it'd be, it'd be proper planning prevents piss-poor podcasts. That's <laughs> what we should have done. We should
0: have been doing that 95 episodes ago. <laughs> right.
1: All right, if you're just listening, sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so let's jump into that. So the first thing is on-site content. And Melissa, you made a really interesting comment to me regarding actual on-site content.
2: Yeah. So we did receive an email from several local properties here saying that they are offering, you know, very discounted rates to people who need shelter. Um, But there's no content on the website. So I went to go share that out on my Facebook page and I had nowhere to point people. So that was frustrating for me for somebody who was trying to help our community. And I also wanted to help our clients and book some rooms mm-hmm. for them but there was nowhere to send them
1: right so that kind of goes into the very first thing so it, it, when you go to the show notes it's going to have a link over to the full article that's about this and it's broken up into two columns in the disaster zone and outside the disaster zone so when you're building content think can of we call
0: one. it danger zone because then we can do the song in our
1: heads that's true when you get Kenny Loggins is that yes. easy, is that song? Keyed yes, yes. Yeah. so Anyway, so the first thing you want to do is if you're in the danger zone.
0: <laughs> Just pause for a minute for if that If you're maybe. on the <laughs> <hot. Yeah.
3: laughs>
1: so. uh, Anyway, you want to make sure that you do a couple things in terms of on-site content. The first one is make sure you have homepage alerts and notifications set so that people, I think a lot of people forget that people are elsewhere in the world and they, their issues aren't your issues. So it's very important that in the case of Myrtle Beach... You may not be, if you live in Ohio, you're not thinking that there's a hurricane coming. You may just be planning a vacation and not thinking about that. You want to make sure it's very clear to your potential guests that you have a disaster looming. And they need to know that before they book a hotel Yeah. You know, during and, that event. And
0: I think it's easy to to do the ostrich syndrome, syndrome mm-hmm. here and pretend it's not happening. Because the fear is you may potentially af- affect people later on, like people that are coming to book for two months from now, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to alienate them. But but the, that's not your priority at this point. You know, when you have something like this going on, your priority is communicating to the people that are getting directly affected by it. And I, th- I think ultimately, in the long game, people will appreciate you being honest with them. You know, so if, if I'm booking for two months, and I come there and, and you're not talking about the, the stuff going on now, does that, you know, in the long term does that not serve me because there could be an issue when I come and stay as well.
1: Exactly. And then you, know, beyond that for your on-site content, a couple of things that you really want to do is one, make sure you have a person who's going to be updating this content throughout. A lot of times we're talking about a hurricane in this case, but if during a hurricane, make sure you have somebody who's going to be providing ongoing updates. The one thing that we found during this storm was there was a lot of people talking about stuff that might be happening but there's a lot, uh, there was a real lack of factual yeah. information. A lot out. of
0: speculation <clears throat> and sensationalism going yeah. on, for sure.
1: Yeah. So as a hotel with either guests on property or guests that have been displaced, having a good factual, basically current conditions report right. where you go in and just constantly update it, yeah. it's very valuable. You yeah. can use this to help market throughout your marketing plan, from social to paid or whatever else you're doing from a PR perspective. Having the content on the site, let's melissa to your point lets people link into your site and get more
3: information well hurricanes are pretty unique because they allow you to be somewhat proactive in what you're talking about i mean we can kind of see them coming may not know how strong it is but you know for for hurricanes specifically is when you you know be proactive make sure you get that content up on your home page when you know Mm it's almost inevitable yeah i I agree with you in terms of having that single voice having a
0: person that's responsible for it and in in keeping it consistent and we'll talk about social and email and the other stuff mm-hmm. but you know that's PR 101 you know you always say when when there's a PR crisis we did episode 15 of the, the podcast was on PR how to handle a PR crisis and you know one of the critical rules that they always teach you in, in PR is um, have, have one person that's going to deal with the media mm-hmm. on when there's some kind of crisis because that, that way you're consistent with the message that way that you're not going to get stuff said that doesn't need to be said you you stay concise and factual you don't elaborate you don't sensationalize like we said you don't end up looking like that guy in the weather channel oh was, my gosh oh, yeah. do you see oh that my, Yes. where he yes. was pretending that he was bracing himself in the wind and then people there were are just two walking, people walking past him. normally behind or him.
3: Anderson cooper sitting in a ditch when the camera guys sitting you know on his Just his toes in the water and Anderson Cooper's waist deep? Yeah. Uh, Sensationalism. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and that's what
1: you you want to get around. I mean, your job as a hotelier is to be hospitable, provide information, and be honest with your guests. And that's really what you want to do. So however that that happens, each individual hotel is going to have a different plan. But Phil, to your point, you always don't have a ton of uh, knowledge of when the storm is going to hit. If it's a storm, if it's a blizzard, you have a little bit of time. But if you do the plan in advance, you don't need a lot of lead time to get this content put together. Go ahead and write an article and leave blanks in it to fill in as the storm or hurricane or whatever it might be is approaching.
3: Just so you have that. that don't page. forget to fill those blanks. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, and if you use
0: the template from a previous one, <laughs> make sure you read it. Don't just find and replace, mm-hmm. read through it.
1: Yep. So, but having that plan will give you the, the power to make that stuff happen versus being completely reactive.
0: Yeah.
2: So that was in the danger zone. So now we need to talk about outside the danger zone.
1: What happens then?
2: You should be outside the danger zone (laughs) (laughs) and sing the song some more. So obviously, if you're outside the danger zone, um, you want to be, as we've said, you want to be hospitable. But you don't want to appear as being opportunistic because I think that's the absolute worst thing you can do as a property is to kind of feed on, you know, people's crises Um, but obviously you want to reach out as well as you can to the impacted areas if you have rooms that are available and you can provide those to guests at a discounted rate great Uh, you want any kind of information again that is available to be helpful to put again put it on the website um, and really, I can't emphasize this enough, as a pet owner, if you have pet-friendly anything or if you're waiving a pet policy or anything like that, please include that in your um, content as well. Because if I watch one more video of dogs getting rescued who are abandoned, I'm going to break a computer or somebody. So please help me not go crazy.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's really true. When we, uh, in, in this case, we're talking with a client who has properties all over the U.S., and they have a lot of properties in Houston. Because of Hurricane Harvey that came through you know, not that long ago, they had a few properties that were completely full with just FEMA and Red Cross workers. And having content on the site that lets, this is kind of dry content, but a page that says, if you are a government employee, this is the process by which you can stay here. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but if, you, if FEMA declares it an evacuation zone, or a disaster, a lot of times FEMA will completely cover the cost for someone to stay in a hotel because their home is, they've been displaced. So making sure that information is on your site and you're giving your potential guests the resources they need one, to not have to worry about where they're sleeping tonight, but then two, to be able to stay at your property and not know, knowing that they don't have to pay.
3: And I'd imagine from an SEO <laughs> perspective that's gonna help. You have a page that talks about housing FEMA employees. Right, because people much. are Googling it. Yeah. Yep.
0: yeah, And then think about ways you can go above and beyond. You know, Melissa already mentioned the pet, if you're waiving the, the, your pet rules or whatever it is. But maybe you can make these people more comfortable. May, maybe you can supply things to them that they may not have with them because they could be there for several days, and have rushed to be there, right? Mm-hmm. They might not have all the creature comfort so let them know what you can do to make it easier for them. Maybe give them free breakfast, stuff like that. That's going to help them with their costs. You know, there's a lot of things you, if you think through it and talk to the people that are coming, how can you help their stay that they don't really want to be having? How can you make it more, mm-hmm. uh, more enjoyable, and more relaxing, and, and reduce some of the stress on this? Really, one of the most stressful situations the family can go through.
1: Very true. I mean, a, kind of a perfect example of that is when I went to Atlanta, the Braves gave free tickets right. to uh, a game against the Washington Nationals yep. for anybody in you know that was a hurricane evacuee from you know North or South Carolina, depending on where you lived. Right. And obviously we were very stressed. We don't know what's happening with our house, but being able to take a break, go to a game, was phenomenal.
0: Yep. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Hats Agreed. off to, to the. Who was it? It was the The Atlanta Atlanta Braves Braves did that. That's really good.
1: But they couldn't do that without thinking ahead that if something were to happen, we need to have a plan to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's really where that planning comes into effect because you can't do those things quick if you're Mm not on a team and communicating that in advance. Agreed. So next thing you need to know is your email communications. And what do you communicate to your guest and potential guest if you're in a disaster zone?
0: Oh, no, I, just, I don't think you should communicate <coughs> at all. Just stay quiet. I think that's uh, silence okay. is the best policy.
1: In this case, it definitely is. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. Yep. But if you do, it's worth doing. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I'll tell you the other thing that, that I think we've all learned is social is a phenomenal tool for communicating, but it's very fleeting. It's hard to go back and find a a post about a certain item if i'm staying at a property there's nothing better than getting an email saying here's what's happening here's a link to our content on our website here's our cancellation policy and this is what we're going to do to make sure that if you can't stay we're going to make this right for you and we're going to take care of you right
0: because it's it's static it's tangible it can get filed away (laughs) you know people can keep that and refer back to it you're exactly right with social media it's more like someone watching a marching band go by yep. right they see it once and then it's gone and, and it's almost impossible to find after the fact so mm-hmm.
1: 100% and then you know melissa you mentioned that the the properties who send out a you know all is clear tight message those are really important because again people don't know what's happening a lot of times people forget that myrtle beach is not in north carolina they just assume mm-hmm. it's the carolinas and we got hit with the hurricane being able to send a message out to their database saying, "Hey, everything is okay. You know, you're going to have issues possibly getting here because of the flooding or whatever it might be." Yeah, but the hotel. Is but the help
0: the, the hotel has an opportunity there to help, right? So, right. Highway 22 is closed, but these are the other routes that you can take instead. Right. And when you're doing this route, here's a great restaurant you can stop at. Or, you know, mm-hmm. there are ways to to turn a positive into a a negative into a positive. In if you just think about it from the the guest perspective: What are the fears they're going to have? What are the doubts they're going to have? And how can you eliminate those and turn it into a positive?
1: Mm-hmm. And this is one of those rare op- uh, opportunities where there's no such thing as too little, too much communication. You can send emails constantly with updates. People in the disaster zone the and outside, they want to know what's happening.
0: Yeah, I, I, hats off to the Beach, no, North Myrtle Beach Chamber. This they've, uh, been, uh, they've been, been really, really good. Um, Antonelle has been sending out emails literally yes. 10 times a day at, at times. And uh, it, it, I appreciate it. As a local, it kept me informed on stuff. And I'm sure all the people that received it, you know, especially the, the potential tourists that were coming in, probably appreciated it as well. But they really, really stepped up and did a great job. That was the North Middle Beach Chamber of Commerce.
1: Mm-hmm. So kind of going from the email communication, there's if you look at the show notes and the – Corresponding article. There's going to be columns for the disaster zone and outside the disaster zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Make sure that you know, take a look at away that. away from the
3: danger zone.
1: <laughs> anyway, look at that and make sure that you have a plan for both of those. So.
2: By the way, I thought those lyrics were I went away from the danger zone. I, really? Yeah, I'm for the how worst. Long? With, until right now.
3: Oh. <laughs> Kenny Loggins has
1: some good information. Did you just Google the, the, the
3: lyrics? No, the you da-
2: just told me what it is. <laughs>
3: Highway to the Danger Zone? (laughs) Um, I'm the worst with misheard lyrics. Do you want to to sing it for us? No, I do not. No, we'll get kicked off. (laughs) I'm too good. You're too good at singing? Yeah.
1: All right, so the next thing that we have is social campaign and communications management. This is probably the most important aspect of any disaster preparedness plan. You have to know exactly what your team is going to do when disaster strikes. Again, just like we talked about in the first section, having one point person who's going to be on your social profiles and really management or really manage it is critical.
0: Yeah, because you, you're going to get not only is, is it communication channel outbound, but it's also one of the places you're going to get a lot of inbound requests and questions and mm-hmm. concerned people. And that's where speculation can happen. That's where things can go awry really quickly. So. Yeah. You have to really increase your monitoring of social media during a disaster. And uh, you really, really, really have to consider outside of normal business hours how how you're monitoring it because Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff is not going to just happen 9 to 5. And if your your normal policy is you're only responding 9 to 5, you're probably going to have to have some kind of system with your staff so that someone's monitoring Mm -hmm.
1: 24-7. Yeah, there's one property here in Myrtle Beach, and I'm on their social admin team. So I see whenever people send messages in and I cannot believe how many messages came in from the moment that they said Hurricane Florence is heading your way through the storm. It was constant. My reservation number is this. This is what's happening. I'm supposed to be arriving. Can I do that? I have people staying there. Are they going to be it out? And the property was phenomenal in responding to people. They would respond to people at 10 o'clock at night. Or 6 in the morning, they were on it, which was amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, imagine that, right? If, if you're someone that's staying in four days, you're going to be checking in, and you see there's a hurricane coming, and you post at 6 p.m., and you don't get a response until 10 a.m. the next morning, that's all you're thinking about for all those hours. Yep. And you're probably, if you don't get information, you're probably going to make a knee-jerk reaction and in, in, in often make a decision without all the information. So mm-hmm. you've really got to be on top of it and communicate extra fast during those times.
1: Yep. So here are a couple of things that you need to do specifically if you're in the danger zone or if you're <laughs> outside the danger zone. If you're in it, obviously you need to make sure that you have someone who's a point person. But number two, you need to make sure that if you have paid social campaigns, you might want to look at can- or pausing those because it's not the time to drive people with like ads or any other type of ad to your property.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be shining light on attracting p- new people to come and learn that you're having a disaster. Yeah, it's, it's just not a time to spend
3: money. Yeah, yeah, check on their scheduled posts and make sure it's not. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. you know you want to look For at sure. your campaign and make
1: sure you're you're doing it right. Uh, beyond that, make sure that you are posting almost more than you think you should. And the reason I say that is is from you know living through these storms there's so much information that you want that you can't get enough, so post frequently, find out what the most reputable news sources are and share those posts and become the hub of information for your guests and your fans. be a resource you know be hospitable you know be that hotelier that they can trust to to get their information from yeah and
0: remember on social media that not everyone's going to see every post you know there's only a small percentage of your organic posts are going to reach. Or it's only going to reach a small percentage of your audience, right? So, it's okay to be somewhat repetitive, as mm-hmm. long as you're staying succinct, you're staying factual, you're not sensationalizing, you're not, you know, you're not giving misinformation. It's okay to post multiple times a day, even if it's to post the status is still X Y Z, repeating what you said two hours earlier. That's okay, yep. as long as you are, are consistent with it.
1: Yep, absolutely. And you know, from a from a sensational perspective post photos post live video post whatever it is if you're at the property let people know what's going on because people do care they want to know Mm -hmm. what what's happening
0: oh man did we were looking at so we work with modelbeach.com and they have a a webcam page on their site and i know a number of our clients do too and a number of our clients get uh, a lot of traffic but because they have a lot a lot of webcams on modelbeach.com holy traffic Batman. I it mean, was people. Insane. Yeah, it was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of visits to that page during Hurricane Florence, so that's an opportunity to communicate with people as well. I either let people know how they can help and donate, you know, because a lot of those are looky-loos. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity there to say, you know, this is this is the impact this is having on our community. Here's how you can help. That's a great opportunity there. Um, it it also from a selfish perspective can help you in terms of link building, Mm -hmm. you know? So you can get people linking to your site as well. So, yeah, webcams are Mm -hmm. great during disasters, for sure. Absolutely.
1: Now, if you're outside the disaster zone, there's a lot of things that you can be doing as well. One, you want to be helpful, and you do not, under any circumstances, want to appear as being opportunistic of trying to, you know, make hay off of these people who are having a disaster.
0: Do you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I want to say it was during Irma. Um, No, not Irma. What was the one? Was it Irma that came up through Florida last year? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, one of our competitors, a smaller smaller agency in the hotel space, sent out an email during or after Irma that was so opportunistic, basically saying that they were going to give discounted websites to people that Mm -hmm. impacted and stuff like that. In, I remember just talking with a lot of people in, in the industry about what a bad taste that put in their mouth for it. So you really there there is a fine line between. Helping, you know, like we talked earlier, discounting your rates and offering those to evacuees mm-hmm. isn't opportunistic, right? You're minimizing your profitability there to to help people. You're giving them an incentive um, versus, uh, hey, buy a website. We're going to run a special mm-hmm. offer for you right now. It's just, yeah. it's not. That's not helping someone. Building them a new website isn't related to the disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the difference between those two scenarios.
1: All right. So here's a question for you because I don't know quite how to put this into the The article either if you're outside the disaster zone and you have the danger zone sorry if you're outside that zone and you have inventory and you can help guests do you run paid social media driving people to stay at your property
3: i don't think it's a bad idea to geotarget especially if you're being you know genuinely helpful like say what just happened in boston with all of those homes that just exploded like that's that's terrible. Those people need somewhere to go. So you're going to offer a discounted rate. People who are looking for hotels in your area, geotarget that and explain what your discounted rate is. I mean, for something like like we're talking about with the hurricanes, um, that's, you know, kind of somewhat predictable. Something like a wildfire you might know is coming your way. People trying who are displaced need somewhere to go. It, I don't think it's a bad idea to geotarget and say, hey, we're offering you some help. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's the, the key, right? The word is help. As long as you're doing it to help, not sell, I think that's the big difference. Yeah. And, and it is a really fine line. And, and really, it, it comes down to the intent behind it, which from an external perspective is going to be hard to, to discern. So just just make sure you're cautious. Make sure you're careful. Make sure you're not doing anything that can be misconstrued. But I, I, yeah, I think I think it's fine because you you are genuinely putting a message in front of people that need that message mm-hmm. right now. They need help, and you're offering that help. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay.
3: And I mean, we all searched for hotels and we knew this hurricane was coming. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, of course I want to see who's gonna help me. Mm-hmm. I if you want to geotarget me and, and say, hey, we're offering you this discounted rate. Yeah, I'm special gonna be rate for evacuees. That. I think yeah, if I'm I saw thankful. an ad with that,
0: I'd be more likely to click on it. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't feel wouldn't feel cheated by it. Exactly. You know?
1: Well, honestly, that kind of brings us right into the the PPC side, which is the next side. I mean, I mean, Melissa, as a you know someone who is a, a pet owner and you know loves animals, if you could target a PPC ad to somebody that said, you know, we've waived our pet policy. Absolutely. I that, that would be very helpful. Extremely helpful. So, but I mean, because really, PPC and and search and meta search in general is a big thing for people to consider from a hotel perspective of when you have a storm hitting because a lot of bad things can happen if you ignore that part of your marketing because of a disaster. One, you're spending a lot of money on paid ads or paid meta search that goes unused because people click through and they realize, Hey, I'm not booking there. There's a hurricane. Mm -hmm. But number two, and we've actually seen this with several properties if you take proactive steps from an operations perspective to say shut the power off to the property or turn off your booking engine, your PMS, that means all of the places you feed rates to are no longer getting those rates. And in some cases, we had you know, properties who were feeding rate to TripAdvisor that TripAdvisor says, oh, look, there's a bug. We're not getting your rates anymore. And they pause your campaign for you versus you pausing it. And it takes 24, 48 hours to turn that campaign Back
3: on,
1: yeah. And the PPC the
3: perspective, Bing perspective, they don't play those games. They'll <coughs> run your ads. Yeah. So make sure you're pausing those if you're going to be shutting down your booking engine or stop mm-hmm. feeding rates to, to that. Yep. But you know, another thing that is an opportunity, I guess, or well, possibility would be in your PPC ad copy to say, in a you know, pause your call out extensions and run one that says, hey, we're going to be closed for the next week. Don't book if you want to stay here within the next week. That's. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for you. I mean, it's you may want to turn it off altogether. It's it's kind of, a, you know, depends on your typical booking window.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd say a lot of our clients ended up pausing all their paid yeah. advertising. Yeah. Just, you know, because the, the booking window gotten so short. A lot of people, especially this time of year, um, you know, we're after the peak season. We're after Labor Day. A lot of people are booking within a week or two. -hmm. So why why spend that money? You know, you can you can save that. You can still spend it later, and know Mm -hmm. that you're going to get a return, as long as there's demand there. So,
3: and and another thing that you you want to think of is, when your disaster has passed, maybe trying some ad copy featuring "Hey, you know, coast is clear" or, you know, back to normal, something like that. People know you're in a affected area for Mm -hmm. sure.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I mean, Phil, you hit on the most important part turn your campaigns back on. Make sure that you assign a person, either at your agency or on your property, that when you turn a campaign off, that you have a, a plan of when you're going to restart your campaigns. Yeah. Because if one thing that was really interesting that I was talking to a client about yesterday was Expedia Ads had a phenomenal performance immediately after the storm. Like within 12 to 24 hours after the storm, their return on ad spend was like, 2,000-plus percent, which is phenomenal. But it was just a very short window of everyone saying, okay, the storm has passed. Because
0: it was before everyone else turned theirs on.
1: Right. So it's so important to say, as soon as this is passed, we need to have a plan to turn everything back on and, and get back to work. Yep. And that brings us right into the fifth item on the list, which is guest and community assistance. This one is so important because as hoteliers, really our only job is to help our community and help our guests. You know, So what can we do in times of trouble to make sure that our property is doing what it can to help everybody? So if you're outside the disaster zone or you're inside the disaster zone, let's say, you, what can you do to open what? your doors? Oh, the, the danger zone.
0: What is this disaster zone together. you keep talking about?
1: <clears throat> Everything in my notes says disaster zone.
0: Well, you need to change your notes. All right.
3: Find and replace. Yeah, find
1: and replace. <laughs> so anyway... What can you do to open your doors to the community as much as possible? Is that giving free food and water to first responders, to victims who don't have a place to live? Perfect example is the hotel group in Myrtle Beach who's giving away $39 rooms on the oceanfront. I mean, that's phenomenal. What can you do quickly after disaster passes to, to help your community? And that may be just simply organizing your property to be a drop-off point for sandbags or for aid items or whatever it might be but take advantage of your spot in the community because typically hotels have a very high I guess social capital in a community and it's your job to make sure that you're using that for the best purpose as possible
0: yeah I agree and there's always opportunities to help out and like I said my family were we were helping with the sandbags today there was some Giving out breakfast yesterday to mm-hmm. first responders and stuff like that. Just if you're not sure, then go talk to your local chamber. They're gonna know. Talk to the Red Cross or FEMA. They're gonna know. Um, there are people in your in your area that will have things that they need able-bodied people to help them mm-hmm. with. So I
2: have been blown away by what I've seen on social media from our community. Just small businesses of all kinds, you know, making like a local pizza place donating a whole bunch of pizza for mm-hmm. you know first responders, et cetera. It's just been, it's been amazing to see really. Yeah, I agree. There's plenty of opportunity to help.
1: Mm. This belongs in your plan because these ideas are going to come to you at some point. You need to have them before the disaster strikes. Mm -hmm. You need to say, if something happens, I'm going to give away free pizza. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yeah, because of
3: on-site restaurant, free breakfast, something <clears throat> you know, right. something yeah. you can handle, anything you can handle.
0: Right. And encourage your employees to do the same. Encourage right. them to volunteer. Encourage them to help to contribute as well.
1: Honestly, that's a great point that I don't have on here at all is a, as the employer letting people know, if we don't have the occupancy and you need to take the day off to fill sandbags, that's exactly what we want you to do mm-hmm. because you're helping the community. Agreed. So the last thing on the list, and these will really be part of your plan, is your PR or public relations outreach. What are you going to do to make sure that you're communicating with the media, you're communicating with the world and your guests in a proper way? So there's a couple things that you want to do there. One is, probably the most importantly, is you want to build that relationship with local media before disaster strikes. You, know, you want them to know that you're a resource before all of a sudden you're going to them, letting them know that your property's fine. But again, make sure you have that single point of contact that when the media does have a question, they have someone to reach out to. Beyond that, make sure that you have a plan to help the media. Because that's one thing I think that people kind of forget is if you're a weather person, you need a place to broadcast from. You know, If your hotel is in a great position, make sure the media knows that you'll take care of them. Yeah, if you're one
3: you, of those hotels with webcams and the media needs shots, you yeah. can provide that as yeah. well. Well,
0: they also need somewhere to stay, right? <clears throat> right. And, and
3: so, folks like not just local
0: media, but the Weather Channel came into Myrtle Beach. They had to they had to reach out to a bunch of hotels. And my understanding is a lot of them turned them down first before they found hotels that were willing to put them up. So be willing mm-hmm. to be hospitable for that kind yeah. of
1: stuff. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you stayed at one of those hotels that was you know housing a lot of people for the storm yeah. A itself. lot of
0: first responders were at the hotel. Yeah, and they also they donated beds to. Um, to local hospitals because they they figured they might need beds for uh, employees that were going to have to stay there overnight oh, during the wow. storm because hmm. you know so they have a lot of cots like pull out beds so they donated some of those to the hotel to the um to the hospitals mm-hmm. as well
1: that's perfect so and then from a pr perspective as well make sure that you clearly have a document of what your emergency procedures are because people are going to ask for that and also clearly document how you're helping because there's at some point there's going to be a, a feel good story about how the community comes together and you want to make sure that, you know, if, if you can be in that article that you've really gone above and beyond to help. You know, there's nothing, if, if, as long as you're doing it for the right reason, there's nothing wrong with documenting how you're giving back to the community.
0: Yeah. And if, if, The media asks you to answer a question or ask you for something. Just if if it's within your power, if it's not going to be a major inconvenience, you should always try to do it. Build up equity with the media all the time because the more favorable they see you, the better the spin is always going to be whenever they're talking to you. And the more you're going to get included in those feel-good stories like Mm -hmm. Pete was just saying as well.
1: So, And kind of of wrap everything up. I think when, when a disaster happens, a hotel or a person really falls into one of four categories. I think they're either a victim, they're a rescuer, or a bystander, or an opportunist. Make sure that you have a plan and you've decided what you're going to do before disaster strikes so that you can be that rescuer, so you can be that person who's going to help the community along. You definitely don't want to be an opportunistic person, and that's what happens when you don't make a plan. You say, oh, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to do X. That's the last thing you want to do. Your job is to help. You go in that direction.
3: Or you're the person with no plan who doesn't stop their scheduled posts and looks like a jackass when someone yeah. searches for your hotel or sees your social yeah. media ad where they're like, It's sunny outside, yeah. come on down. There's a hurricane rolling across your beach. Yeah, yeah. we
1: saw some of those this week.
2: Yes, surely exactly. we did.
1: So it's just it's so important that you have these plans in advance because you can't enact anything if you don't know about it. So it goes back to the six Ps, right? which were? Proper planning prevents piss-poor performance.
0: I like it. That that was probably one too many pisses. We're going to definitely get oh, really? shut down now. Probably so.
2: Well, now you just added one more. Oh, you did.
0: Man, maybe that negated it. Maybe that's okay. Mm. Mm. So the good notes, Pete. And we're going to have a full blog post. We'll have the show notes up. Mm-hmm. com slash podcast. Click on episode 95. And we'll have the link there as well to the to the full blog post. So I'm glad you guys are all safe. Hopefully, everyone listening to the show is safe and sound or recovering. If you need help recovering, then let us know. We'd be glad to pitch in and help as well. You're part of the Fueligan family by listening to this show. So, anything we can do, please let us know. Um, Pete. Yes. Any updates?
1: Yes. So, being being opportunistic. Bee news. We have found a feral swarm of bees. Because: of Didn't the thing. Because of the swarm, or because of the storm, a swarm apparently moved under a buddy's front porch, huh. and there's bees under there, so hopefully I can go get them this weekend. So
2: how do you break them away from your buddy and into your hive?
1: It involves <laughs> me putting my bee suit on nice. with a cardboard box and crawling underneath the front porch. Oh. So I give
3: like like you bless. my goPro and, so and let you do. Yeah. It.
0: So how do you detach the hive though??
1: In most cases, they wouldn't have built a hive yet. They're yeah. in the process of doing so. So if I get them, dump them into basically the the beehive box with a couple of frames in it, mm-hmm. I'll be able to drop them in, seal it off. Because if the queen's in there, all the other bees go in as well. Seal it, and then I just bring it back home. Wow. That's the plan. I don't know.
0: Can you record this?
1: Uh, Phil said he'd let me borrow his GoPro. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So, My only concern is... If they're actually honeybees or they're just some guy has wasps under his resort. Well <laughs> 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 would be terrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I found
3: out that wasps actually are important because I always said to myself, what the hell's the point of a wasp? Where do they fit in the food chain? But they mm-hmm. do eat little bugs. They do. Or they also
0: they
1: pollinate as well. Yeah. 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 That is the primary means of grass pollination. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Wasps. Yeah. That,
1: that explains so why they
2: are all over my grass in yeah. the yard.
1: More so than bees. They like that kind of pollen. Yep.
2: Didn't know grass actually had pollen. I'm learning all kinds of things yeah. today. I think, I think,
0: B- don't all plants have to have some kind of pollen to
2: I thought like grass reproduce. like grass roots. I thought just like the roots
1: grew like Yeah, because if you look at the weather channel it tells you that the grass allergy is high. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
0: So why people sneeze when they cut grass and stuff as well. Okay. Yeah. You learned something today. Even there if it wasn't here, about hotel gentlemen. marketing. Yeah. You learned about pollination and
2: the birds and the bees. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The peas and, yeah. and, and the bees. Yeah, learn about the bees. I like bees. it. All right, so uh, good episode, Pete. Thanks for putting the notes together. Where can people find you on the web?
1: They can find me on Twitter at p P D I M A I O. And Melissa. I
2: am on Twitter at m a kavanaugh m a k a v a n a g h.
3: And Phil, you can find me on Twitter at p farisca p f o r i s k a. You can find me at
0: Stuart Butler. You can also find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Drop us a line if you have questions about hotel marketing. Uh, We're going to be doing a a live show for episode 100. And uh, we'll, we'll announce the date later on. But we are going to be doing that live show. So start thinking about the kind of questions you want to ask. It's going to be an Ask Me Anything We'd love to get some questions ahead of time, but we will be taking them live on the show as well. So, so do
2: you remember in our last, in our 50th episode, we mm-hmm. did the live thing and mm-hmm. I was wearing my Where's Waldo shirt? Yeah. And you kind of made fun about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also learned that Waldo is not Waldo in English. It's Wally, it's, yeah. Right. So why does Waldo wear stripes?
0: It, was that really a setup for, <laughs> for a dad joke? Yes. Is that what that was? Yes. I don't know why does he wear stripes.
2: Because he doesn't want to be spotted. Uh, <laughs> I like
3: that one.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Uh well, get the show notes for today's episode. Ex- <laughs> and today's excluding that joke at fuel slash podcast and click on 95. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.